name is Kylie. I'm a pastor here at One Heart. Uh, our senior pastors, Rob and Pauline, are away um, at the moment, so keep them in your prayers. And um, yeah, it's great to have you here today. It's great to be here. Now, we're not going to shake hands or anything, but maybe if you want to just turn to the person beside you or around you and do a little eyes up, acknowledge that you're sitting next to someone. Fantastic. Welcome. So um, I'll just start by telling you a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up on a, an experience of mine, I should say, and I grew up on a farm in New Zealand. Um, if I just have that picture up there. Um, farms are a bit different in New Zealand. They're incredibly lush. It's very green. All the little lambs are white. This is actually a lamb from New Zealand, but it's not one of mine. Um, one of my most common memories um, is... Uh, Actually, you know, there was four of us kids, I'm the second oldest, and one of my most common, like, reoccurring memories when I was a small child is that we'd get up in the morning and we'd all run outside to go and, like, play with the lambs in the front paddock, and we'd fling open the doors, and then all of the lambs would just be frozen solid and dead on the front yard, and we'd go, oh, mum, all the lambs are dead again, and we'd go find something else to do for the day. Isn't that a weird childhood experience. Maybe if you're from a farm, you've had similar ones. Strange things happen on a farm. Um, it turns out that, uh, um, you know, that lamb around July and August, it'd be very cold. And maybe if a sheep didn't make it or um, if sheep had like um, twins or triplets, they wouldn't be able to look after the lambs. So instead of just kind of doing nothing with the lambs, they thought, oh, we'll give them to those kids, the Hannon kids, you know. There's four of us. We're going to play with them all day and hold them and force feed them all day long, and maybe they'll have a chance. They never had a chance. <laughs> there was one out of all the many, many lambs that survived, and um, I'm not entirely sure what happened to that one afterwards, but mostly um, we flung open the doors of a morning and found all these solid, frozen dead lambs. But we weren't bothered um, because my mum had this ritual which was reinforced every day of, it's okay, they've gone to heaven to be with Jesus. And then we'd have a little funeral. I'm not quite sure if she would dig the grave or anything, but she certainly made the crosses. So we had, as it came down the road towards our house, just crosses everywhere from all of the pets and all the lambs that have gone. I think my older brother's a boy scout, so he really liked to make the crosses as well. I don't know if your gardens looked that way, but we had just crosses everywhere. And I'm um, constantly reinforced, when you die, it's okay, you get to go to heaven to be with Jesus. So that is the story that I told my children as well. Um, one day we were driving and my two small children were strapped in their car seats at the back and I drove into a cemetery. And from the back, my inquisitive children um, said, what's this place, mummy? I said, oh, it's the cemetery. And then I hear what's a cemetery? And I said, oh, it's a graveyard. They go, what's a graveyard? Not everybody is fond of inquisitive children. <laughs> I said, oh, a cemetery, a graveyard, it's, it's a place where people go when, you know, they've passed away. What's passed away? <laughs> this is getting awkward, kids. I said, oh, well, they see, when we die, our spirits go to heaven to be with Jesus. And um, our bodies go into the earth. We bury them. They go, what's bury? And I was like, 
Um, now, I was a parent who didn't even read the end of the children's books. We didn't read Hansel and Gretel and stuff because I thought that's too grim. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm like, well, you see, what happens is that it's okay because your spirit goes to heaven to be with Jesus and your body, we put it in a very special, beautiful box and it goes into the earth. And then this three-year-old of mine is like, into the earth, you bury them into the ground. So then I had to fall back on my usual parenting trick of like, oh, look, is that a kangaroo? And distraction therapy or diversional therapy. But pretty much I told my kids the same thing that uh, my mum told me and it was reinforced over and over. It's okay when we die, we go to be in heaven with Jesus. But it's not actually a very satisfactory answer, is it? In fact, if you haven't kind of been indoctrinated with it as a kid, it's not very satisfactory at all. It's, there's a lot of loose ends, a lot of holes in it, such as what are we going to do there for the rest of eternity? And everyone in the world says, that sounds boring. Um, having no bodies. So then what is the point of this world? If all that happens is that we become spirits or angels or something up in the clouds, what, what is the point of this? How is the good news of Jesus good news for our everyday life here if it's only about sort of angelic sort of stuff happening afterwards? Why was Jesus resurrected? Because people saw him. There's a case of like 500 eyewitnesses, you know, and they saw him eat and they talked to them and they touched his hands and his feet. He wasn't a ghost. He had the scars from the crucifixion. Is he just going to be walking around in a body and we all just kind of float around, around him? There's lots of holes in this kind of half a story, isn't there? Um, why does the Spirit of God keep trying to make Christians do stuff in this world? Why should we care about children who don't have enough to eat? Why should we work for social justice and talk to politicians and that sort of thing about everything? If, if all that matters is having a spirit in heaven, then who cares about what happens on this earth? Why are we here so long? If what counts is believing in Jesus and getting to heaven, then as soon as we believe in Jesus, wouldn't he zap us to heaven? in case he's risking us, in case we like lose our ticket to heaven, you know, we forget or we stop believing him. There's a lot of holes in this theory. It turns out that God's ways may be mysterious, but they are not irrational. They're not unreasonable. And an idea of just eternity disembodied in heaven does not stand up to very vigorous and robust reasoning at all. And it doesn't stand up to any scriptural reasoning. Um, it actually, there's no, zero Bible verses that say we're going to become spirits eternally in heaven. Zero. I made that meme pretty fancy. Um, it comes from Plato, this idea. Plato was a, you might have heard of him and his teacher Socrates and his student Aristotle. So, um, you know, it's three or four hundred years before Jesus. Um, he was a Greek philosopher. He's a pagan. He doesn't believe in God or anything. And he kind of philosophized that everything in this earth, everything that's kind of material is um, contaminated and and bad, and that we have this perfect spirit, and we need to sort of shed our prisons of contaminated bodies and just be pure, perfect spirits in some spiritual place. So that is where this kind of idea crept into our ways of thinking. But this is an anti-creation way of thinking. 
And our God is the God who created the heavens and earth and said it is good. This idea of somehow the world is bad and our bodies are bad and the real us is our spirit is against, it's anti-creation, it's against the things of God. So we need to stop telling our kids it, don't we? God's plan revealed in the scripture from start to finish is that the God who created the heavens and the earth is recreating the heavens and the earth and one day will bring them completely together in Jesus, that he has begun this kind of overlapping heaven and earth and one day he will complete that in Jesus. The, um, you know, the Bible starts in Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth and it is good and he never recanted that. He never changed his mind on that. Right to the end of the scripture, at the end in Revelations 21 we see, I see a vision of a new heavens and a new earth, a restored heavens and earth. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then, like, this is not about us escaping to go off to some heavenly place, escaping this dingy world or something. This is an image of embrace, heaven coming to earth, heaven coming to us. And what follows this vision of John's is literally heaven on earth. Look, God's dwelling place is now with the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things has passed away. God's plan is not that we're disembodied spirits in heaven, but that the kingdom of God is coming to earth and evil will be dealt with permanently. And it has begun by Jesus on the cross and it will continue. And finally, in this climactic day, God will completely reveal his kingdom. And once you understand that that is God's purpose, Every scripture that you read, you're like, how did I not see this before? It says it over and over and over. Jesus said it over and over and over about, um, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is within you. Nothing talking about like you will go away to some ethereal place, but the kingdom of God is coming to us the place where Jesus is the king of everything. They said, Lord, to Jesus, teach us how to pray. And what did he tell them? God, your name is, our father, your name is holy. May your kingdom come. Not let us go to your kingdom. May your kingdom come here and your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Let Jesus be the king of this earth just as he already is in heaven. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, it says that God has made known to us the mystery of his will, which he has purposed in Christ to put into effect when that time has made its fulfillment, to bring unity in all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Heaven and earth united 
in Christ is God's plan. Not scrapping it all, not saying, oh, this place, you know, didn't work out. Let me start again and make new people and new creation. But just as we see revealed in Jesus, God will resurrect us and resurrect, restore renew all of creation. In the Nicene Creed, which is, um, you know, from the second or third century, um, the Christians solidified this. This is what we believe. Uh, Some of you may know this from being in different churches. You say, we believe that Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. This is what Christians have always believed. There's this one day Jesus is coming back, and he will bring justice. Sometimes we think of that idea in our kind of 21st westernized thinking of, you know, the Uh, He will judge the living in the earth and judges to us might be about sort of punitive and handing down sentence. But all through the Old Testament, you can see it in the Psalms, you can see it. They're crying out for a judge to hear my case because the judge is someone who will bring justice, who will be their advocate, who will be laying down the right things to happen to a people who are oppressed. And then Jesus will be king forever. So how shall we respond to that? In Acts 3, verse 19 to 24, it says, So repent of your sins and turn to God, and all your sins will be wiped away. And these then times of refreshment will come in the presence of God. And he will send you again, Jesus, your appointed Messiah, because he remains in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy servants. This has been our belief from the beginning, and it continues to be our belief. So that doesn't really answer the question about the lambs, does it? (laughs) I may not really answer the question about the lambs, but what in the meantime happens to us when we die? 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul says... Now, dear brothers and sisters, we do not want you to, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. So when we die, if we die before the Lord returns, we will be with Jesus. And it'll be good. You know, Paul said, for me to live or to die is gain. I can't decide which one is better. If I live, then it's better for you because I can help you. But if I die, then I go to be with Jesus. And Jesus himself, to the thief, the rebel on the cross, he said, this day you will be with me in paradise. So when we die in Jesus, we will be face to face with the Lord and it will be good. But it's just not our end 
or our goal. The scripture never really goes into detail about that because what it is is a time of waiting that these people who are asleep in Christ will be waiting like all of us until that day when we are all resurrected. Um, The Jewish and Christian tradition keep using this word asleep. Um, That doesn't mean that we'll be unaware, um, but the word sleep to do with death is to do with, you know, think of what sleeping means. It means rest and peace safety and temporariness. None of us would go, that's my real life at the night time when I'm asleep and this daytime stuff is kind of biding my time. It's the other way around. Sleeping is something that we do until we're waiting for our real life in the daytime, isn't it? And this, the, the, you know, the Holy Spirit insists through the scripture that when we die, that's a temporary situation where we will be with the Lord, but un- we're waiting until this day of restoration of all things. So I was a little bit right when I accidentally told my kids the story that they would go to be with heaven and Jesus, with Jesus, but it is not the full story. And that's not what we should tell our kids. And that's not what we should tell others when they say, what do Christians believe about what happens to you when you die? This is what we should say. Romans 8.11 says, If the Spirit of God who who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living in you. And obviously, I say this with all humility, I, um, you know, there's lots of things in the, in the scripture that talk about sort of times and events and it's just not very clear. It's like Jesus hasn't really revealed those things to us. Churches across um, time and different traditions don't really have a, we haven't been able to pin it down and say we definitely think this is the order of things stuff's gonna happen. But the Christian church through all of time has been clear on these some things, that as Jesus left, he will come back. As Jesus was resurrected, we will be resurrected. As God created the heavens and the earth, he will recreate the heavens and the earth. And God himself will be with us. And we will live in his kingdom where Jesus is king forever. That is God's plan. So that's some pretty good news, isn't it? That's pretty good news. It's a bit more than God will answer your prayers. It's a bit more than you get to go to heaven after you die. It's 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 more than probably any of us would imagine or dream of, really. That God is going to permanently do away with injustice and evil from creation, permanently. Death is not the end for any of us. We will be resurrected, as will all of creation. In Romans eight nineteen to 24, it says, because all of creation is waiting for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are in the resurrection. Against its will, creation was subjected to God's curse. Creation was like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to that day when it 
will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more aging and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth up to this present time, and believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit, which is a foretaste of the future glory, we still long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. It's not the same as that Plato idea of longing to be rid of our bodies so we can be perfect souls. It's longing for this world to be rid of sin and suffering that just kind of seems to be sewn into the very fabric of every person and every situation. We see injustice everywhere and we long for it. Even if you've never heard of Jesus, it's in every human, isn't it? We just long for things to be better and for justice to be available. The good news is that not only has the cross provided forgiveness for us individually from our sins and a way to be reconciled to God, it has broken the power of evil in the whole of creation. Romans 8.3 talks about God condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus, his son on the cross. Didn't condemn you or me. He condemned sin itself. The cross was the judgment beginning on evil and sin itself. That is some shockingly big good news. The more that you think of it, the more that you put these pieces of the scripture together, it is some shockingly big good news. And it has ramifications for our every every action for our everyday life. This ripple effect, because God is saying to us, heaven and earth are not separated. Christians sometimes get mocked for, you know, living like we're only thinking about spiritual things, but Jesus' plan is not that at all, is it? He came in the flesh. He remains in heaven, a man forever in the flesh. He values our bodies and our world, and he's going to recreate, restore, renew, resurrect the whole of creation. And so, mysteriously, every act that we do now, every thought, every act of kindness, everything that we do to build his kingdom now will last. He uses it like seeds that the Spirit's going to use into the new kingdom so all those sorts of things that you do, anything you do to build the kingdom now, you just, you know, you pick up rubbish off the ground because you want the earth to be cared for. You, you recycle, you be kind to waitresses. You, Jesus said, if you just give a cup of water to a child in my name, if, you know, the things that we do to fight poverty and racism and injustice, if you see someone who needs some petrol money, that you just buy their petrol for them or you make a meal for someone who's sick or you forgive people, all of these things have eternal value to them. God is using these now to build his future kingdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, 15, verse 58, um, Paul has gone on this huge big discussion about the resurrection and what our resurrection bodies will be like and um, answering all these questions about the resurrection. And what does he say at the end? He doesn't say, ah, so we should sit back and just wait for that day when God changes us and we're resurrected. No, he says, therefore, work hard because you know that all of your work in the Lord 
is not going to be in vain. Nothing is wasted. Nothing that we do for the Lord now is in vain. And that gives this eternal value to every act of love and kindness that we do right now as we are that people in the image of God even though obviously we're not perfect. It's like we're just claiming a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more of our pockets of the world for Jesus to be king. And we, I mean, we want him to be the king. His kingdom is so good. You know, before I had um, my first baby, sometimes I would just kind of sit in the nursery and kind of wonder what it would be like. And when we look at Jesus and the stories that he told about his kingdom, you know, he kept saying the kingdom of heaven is like this, the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's kind of, we can, we can look at those things. We may not live them out fully right now, but they can help us to wonder and to try to start to bring those things in our lives now. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like you've lost something. You know that feeling when you've lost something? You lost your wallet or you lost your car keys. You've got to go. You lost your phone. You lost something valuable. And you search everywhere for it. And you call up all your neighbors and you call your friends and go, was it your house? You're making everyone do all the work for you, looking everywhere for it. And then suddenly you find it. The kingdom of heaven is like that. How do you feel then? You feel like, yes, you know, completion, celebration. And, and peace and relief. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like that. And you'll ring all your neighbors and say, it's all right, I found it. You celebrate with everyone. And you know that feeling that you have? Do you have someone that in your life, you know, who's just a really good friend and you can go over to their house any time and just walk on in and get yourself a cuppa. You just feel so at home with them. And you know that even if you needed like, bread at midnight. You could just text them or knock on their door and they would give it to you. You don't feel like, oh, maybe, they, maybe I'm bothering them. You don't feel like that. You just feel so at home. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like that, like your family, like it's fine to ask. You're confident to ask. There's a joy in asking because you know that they just love you. You're so confident in that love. He said it's like a kid who's like spent all the inheritance money and just totally rebelled, gone totally off the rails and now they're kind of slinking home because they're homeless and they've got no other choice and they think they're going to be judged. But before they even get halfway down the street, their dad runs out and embraces them and just celebrates at their home. Don't worry about all the other stuff. Inexplicably gives them a full new inheritance. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like that. How does that feel? That's just, just outrageous grace and things being washed away and second chances and a full new inheritance and undeserved love. And he said, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And it's weird too. If you want to be the greatest, then you have to be the least. If you want to be a leader, then you have to be a servant. If you need something, then you should give something. It's not really part of our natural makeup, is it? We really can only begin to live like these new creatures, these new creations in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in community, as the Spirit moves amongst us as community.
So my auntie, when I was a kid, had this silver um, like container, this container made out of silver, a special little box that she had in her room. And she put her, you know, uh, special things in it, um, uh, marriage uh, certificate and some jewellery and money and like pictures of the kids. Um, and then had it in her bedroom. And then they had a fire, a house fire, and that whole side of the house totally burnt down. And as they're rummaging through the ashes, you know, of the house looking for remains, they came across the silver box. And it was a bit munted on the outside, but when they opened it, everything inside had been saved. Like, the fire couldn't get through. And the Bible gives us imagery and stories like this to talk about Jesus and says to put our lives into Jesus. And just like the things that were in that silver container uh, were saved, when we put our lives into Jesus, our lives will be saved. We don't really know what it'll be like, how God will restore and make this new heavens and earth, but we do know that not everything will be in the new creation. And anything that is evil will be barred from entering. It can't enter into the new creation. And so we want to give you the opportunity today to put your life into Jesus. When our lives are in the Lord Jesus, then they will be saved and restored in the coming of the new kingdom. Whether or not we even die first, we believe in the resurrection of the dead and that he will restore us to the life of the world to come. In John Five, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me will have eternal life and they will never be condemned for their sins and they have already passed from death to life. So if you've never heard or never understood why we talk about Jesus as the good news, and you thought it was just about going to live as a violin playing spirit in the clouds, you were right. That isn't very good news, and it's not a very satisfactory story. Today, I hope I've been able to tell you a bit more of the full story, that we believe Jesus is coming back, and that he will resurrect us and all of creation, and he will do away with evil and death, permanently and to be part of that he invites us to be part of it uh, when we put our lives into Jesus we ask Jesus to be our king so why don't you stand with me now and Kimberly if you should 